He'll keep it. And Malcolm Perry does what Malcolm Perry does. And it's Perry behind Carruthers. First down, side set. Inside the 40, he might take it. Malcolm Perry, maybe, touchdown. This guy's too quick. Coach Kenny says, oh, reach out. The best runner Navy's ever had. He went right through Elijah Riley. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into a special edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We are going to be launching a series of comprehensive profiles on the rookie draft picks of your Miami Dolphins here on the official podcast network of your Miami Dolphins. We're going to do that with interviews from people that know these players the best, coaches, family members. We wanted to get some testimonials on the newest Miami Dolphins. And up first, we start today with the Navy product, Malcolm Perry. We spoke to three coaches on the Navy staff who were more than willing to tell us about this very special young man. I had the pleasure of conducting exclusive interviews with offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Ivan Jasper, run game coordinator and interior offensive line coach Ashley Ingram, and head coach Ken Niamatololo, as well as the man himself, Malcolm Perry. And that's where we'll start with Malcolm Perry. And I'm thrilled to be joined now here on the Drive Time Podcast by the first ever Miami Dolphin draft pick out of the Naval Academy. He is, let's call him offensive weapon, Malcolm Perry. Malcolm, thanks for jumping in, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's good to hear from you again, man. We haven't spoken since the day you were drafted in the interview there. So what have you been up to in the meantime? You working out, staying in shape, and uh, staying busy and staying active? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, that's pretty much all I'm doing now is working out. Um, staying in the playbook and um, doing a little fishing here and there. Fishing, that's that's a big theme with a lot of your teammates. I don't know if you've if you had a chance to catch up with those guys on Zoom calls and stuff, but have you guys discussed any possible fishing meetups when we're allowed to do that stuff again? Yeah, for sure. There, there's been uh, a lot of talk about fishing uh, <laughs> coming up here when we're when we're able to. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it seems like that was maybe part of uh, of of Chris Greer and Brian Flores' scouting notes was they got to be fishermen because I swear every single one of you guys mentioned your fishing. So we'll get more into stuff like that. The idea of this podcast, Malcolm, is is to get to know Malcolm Perry, the person, a little bit better. So I want to just start in the very beginning, if we can. You grew up in Clarksville, Tennessee. What was life like in Clarksville as a youth for you? Uh, it was good. Um, uh, a lot of sports. Uh, sports is a, are a big thing here in Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, I grew up with military parents, so um, I live right outside of military base, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So um, a lot of military aspects to my lifestyle growing up as a kid. Um, even to this day, you see military aircraft flying over my house, uh, doing whatever they're doing and stuff like that. So a lot of military influence and um, outdoors and sports was a big part of my childhood. So I'm curious because my, and forgive my ignorance here, but I always assumed that, you know, military kids hopped around a lot, army brats, right? Did that never happen for you? No, it never happened for me. So I'm the youngest of six kids. So my older siblings moved around a lot. So I was born at the end of my parents' career. So um, I, I was lucky enough to stay in one place my whole life. Okay, that's that's good to know, and, and I think that's a good segue into our next question because your parents were both, you know, Army cadets, and you obviously with the Navy. And where I'm from, Malcolm, we are 
basically the middle of Washington state is split between Cougars and Huskies, Washington and Washington state. And I have to imagine that's somewhat amplified with the service academies, even though there's probably much more of a mutual respect there. I don't think we have that out here for Huskies (laughs) and Cougars. It's probably more respectful for you guys. What was it like when you told your parents you wanted to play at Navy and go to Navy? And was there some friendly trash talk there? Uh, no, there was no friendly trash talk. Uh, a little bit on my dad's side. Um, I have to watch, watch him a little bit closer than my mom, but, um, uh, they were all supportive of me going to the Naval Academy. Um, they were a big part of the process and helping me choose that. But, uh, I say the biggest thing is is the people that I grew up around. They're, they're so tied into rooting for army that I don't, I don't really have a lot of, uh, I don't really talk to a lot of people going into army week. Um, at the Naval Academy from back home because uh, they're, they're Army fans. So I'm good in my house, but not in my hometown during Army Week. Yeah, it's the one week where you guys kind of have to be like, all right, we're not friends this week. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. So, But now that you're not playing ball there anymore, do you think maybe that that rivalry kind of heightens back up because, like, you know, you have you have your – it's your alma mater now. It's their alma mater. Is it going to be like, all right, now it's time to, to kind of house divided this thing? Um. It's still all, it's still all navy with me, so um, I think I'm gonna be able to enjoy the rivalry a little bit more now that I'm not you know dialed in, focused, trying to get ready for the game. So um, be able to enjoy it a little bit more, have a little bit more fun, more fun with it, um, and uh, enjoy it and see the boys win. So it'll be fun. Definitely. And you mentioned that you played multiple sports or grew up playing sports in Clarksville. What were your other best sports? Basketball, baseball. Uh, I played a lot of basketball growing up when I was little. Um, Basketball, I never really got into baseball. It was pretty much just basketball and football, but uh, I made the transition to football pretty young, and I kind of left basketball behind. But um, I was always down to play whatever my friends were playing outside. So So I was curious to ask you because, you know, for most athletes, and I I was once an athlete back in my my day, so to speak, and we always have this moment, right, where you realize the dream is over. And I'll just tell you a quick story that's kind of (laughs) funny, in my opinion, from my personal account. I played football from sixth to eighth grade. And I enjoyed playing, but there was a moment early on my first practice where I knew that maybe this sport, it wasn't going to be for me. We had this drill where they put out four cones like into a square and you would shuffle, 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 karaoke, come back around the other cone. And when you came back around that other cone, the other kid would run and smack you in the middle of that little corner. And the first time I got hit, Malcolm, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm a basketball player. I'm a baseball player. So the reason I ask you this what was there a moment in your football career or growing up as a kid where you knew, yeah, I've got some special ability here to be a really good player in high school and maybe into college and even into the pros? Um, I can't pinpoint a specific moment, but uh, I just remember being able to, you know, not get tackled a lot, playing with my friends. I think um, that was kind of what built it, built my confidence up uh, going into the, the higher levels of football as a youth. So, um just being able to avoid getting tackled was was what I was good at as a kid. You were probably everyone's least favorite person on the field with that game. What's it called? Uh, tackle the guy with the ball, whatever you call that game, right? You played that, didn't you? Yeah, for sure. Did you ever get tackled? Uh, yeah, here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, that's good stuff. We got Malcolm Perry here on the Drive Time Podcast. Malcolm, I want to borrow a question from one of my favorite podcasts, the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks of NFL Media. They always like to ask young men like yourself about your greatest hardship and who is your biggest hero. Let's go ahead and start with your hero. Who is Malcolm, per- Malcolm Perry's hero? Uh, I'd have to say my father. Um, just uh, growing up as a kid, looking up to him, uh, how hard he worked, 
uh, the sacrifices he made uh, and the way he went about um, facing challenges head on and stuff like that. So I think that's what I, I model my leadership after um, and the way I want to lead my family in the future. So I definitely have to say my father. Are they going to come watch you as a pro? Is there going to be a big Malcolm Perry contingency at Dolphins games now? Yeah, for sure. As many as many as he can make. Yeah, hopefully we can get plenty of them out there this year in 20, uh, 2020 and beyond. So how about the question for the hardship? What was a big moment in your life that kind of some adversity you had to overcome? Uh, i definitely say the loss of my sister. I lost my sister, I want to say I was around 11 years old. Um, you know, we're, we're a pretty big family, a family of six kids, and she was the oldest. So um, losing her was kind of a, a big shock to my family. It was kind of weird seeing how. You know, it was my first experience with death. So um, seeing how the family reacted, my mother especially, um, it, it was definitely a tough time for myself and my family, for sure. What would you say that it taught you in terms of what you were as a person or as a character? Because I think that a lot of times we can take things like that, Malcolm, we can go one of two directions. It looks like you took the positive direction. Was there something that you overall just took away from that experience or learned from it? Uh, I think just like anybody else who loses anybody, it's, um, just valuing the time that you have with your family members while they're there and appreciating them and uh, all the time you have with them, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your loss, Malcolm. It's That's terrible. It's uh, glad glad that you guys were able to overcome that and, and move on and, and, and live your lives for you know for her. That's, that's awesome to hear about. Uh, I want to make a tough transition here and get back into the football side of things because you and I spoke a little bit off air and you're wearing the Men of Ken shirt right now. And and uh, what did you guys call Coach Nia Matalolo? Did I get that right? That's right. You got it. What did you guys call him on campus? Because I, I we talked. I joked about it off air. It took me about two hundred tries to get it right. What did you guys call him on the football field? Uh, we call him Coach Nia uh, or just Coach. Um, he he's, he does a good job at knowing that his name's pretty hard to pronounce, so he doesn't really task people with saying the whole thing he goes by coach Nehemiah so he makes it easy on the guys yeah I had a chance to meet him we're going to hear from him on this podcast here in just a second he was I was inspired by him Malcolm he was he was an awesome guy to talk to what is what are some of the things that you took away from coach Nehemiah um just being consistent I think um and having a genuine care for the people that he leads I think he's probably the best that I've ever seen do it in caring for the people that he that he leads and coaching guys and actually having true emotions and he, he pours his heart into the game and um, it, it shows on the field for sure. So he told me a story, Malcolm, about uh, one time he he was off campus during your guys's off hours, which you guys don't get a lot of there at the Naval Academy because it's so orchestrated and so structured and, and, and so businesslike. And he came back to campus expecting to see a ghost town, and it was for the most part. But then he saw you and a couple of your receivers out there running routes, and he said that was when he realized he had a special player on his hands. What I mean, did you ever have a chance to get some fun in, in college, or was it always business all the time? <laughs> we had fun for sure. I mean, uh, especially during the off season. Um, but during the season, um, there wasn't much time to get out and, and relax and stuff like that. But uh, during the off season, they, they do a good job at allowing us to get off and uh, rest our feet a little bit. So, You think that really prepared you for the next level? Because, I mean, a full-time job now that you're a professional, it's going to be, you know, I'm sure like that, amplified. Do you think that really prepared you for the next level? Uh, I sure hope so. I think, uh, you know, the Naval Academy in itself, Gives you a lot of tools with time management and stuff like that to be able to, you know, dial it in and uh, take care of what you got to take care of uh, before you have fun. So uh, I hope it, I hope it carries over, and I definitely will do my best to to make that happen. 
Can you tell us what a typical day is like for a student there at Navy, for a student athlete who has to go to practice and prepare and, and lift weights and watch film? What was a typical day like for you there? Uh, so I was probably, I'm waking up at 6, 6.30, uh, depending on the day. Um, get out of bed, make your bed, make sure your room's straight um, and all organized uh, up to standard. Then you have morning quarters formation. So everybody goes out um, in front of their doors, um, gets information, accountability is taken. And everybody makes sure everybody's there. Um, make sure your uniforms are straight. Go down to breakfast um, around 7, 7.15. Um, go to class from 7.55 to around 11.45. Then you have um, lunch meetings. After lunch, so you have about 30, 40 minutes of lunch, go to meetings um, about 12, 12, 15. Then you're back to class from one to three, I believe. Um, then after class to the tape room um, to the get ready for practice. Then you practice from, I'd say, four to six. Um, after practice, treatment, um, treatment to about seven. Then you're eating, eating dinner. Um, you probably get done with your day around eight and then you're studying or doing whatever homework you have from about eight to 10, 10 30 ish. And then at 11 o'clock it's tapped. So every night we have a piece of paper that we have to sign saying that we're on deck, we're in our rooms, um, and we're accounted for. And then that process repeats itself throughout the whole week. When you got out of that structure, like for whatever, whether it was a break or now that you're, you know, in your post college playing career, was it, did you find yourself having like idle hands? Were you like looking for something to do because it's so regimented and so, you know, every single minute you're doing something? Yeah. It's, it's pretty weird to not have somebody, yeah. you know, always worried about where you are, uh, what you're doing and stuff like that. So, um, it's nice for sure, but, uh, it, it does make you, make you always think that you have something to do. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, you know, idle hands in the devil's playground. So it's, it's always exactly. for me, especially this time of, you know, in this time of our society right now, it's good to stay busy. So that's, that's a good schedule for you there at the Academy before that in high school coming in. I mean, you had to have had at least some expectations of what the expectation was of you, but when you got there, was it kind of like a shell shock or a culture shock of how much, how much, how demanding it was? Yeah, for sure. So coming from my background with military kind of being there, um, I kind of expected for it to be a little easier than most guys, but um, no, I don't think anything could prepare you for the culture shock that you get. Um, so I, I spent a year up in, in Rhode Island at the prep school for a year. So um, that's where I experienced most of the shell shock and the, the culture shock and the, the homesickness and stuff like that. And um, I think you get over it pretty quick and you, you develop a bond with the guys that you're up there with that's tighter yeah. than, than anything I've ever experienced. So um, I met some of my best friends there and, a good time yeah that's a good point you get to go through it with someone else who kind of understands the struggle too so that's definitely something to, to rally around and bond around and I want to ask you this question Malcolm because each of the three coaches we spoke to coach Niamatololo coach Ingram and coach Jasper all mentioned your first ever varsity game and I'm sure it didn't go as you had planned as far as how you got onto the football field but that's sports in general right it always goes not according to plan 
but your coaches all told me about it. Um, they, they all referenced this kind of chaotic moment where they really were caught up in the, the buzz of the game when you were pulled out of the stands and onto the field because you were ill that week or had a stomach bug or something that kept you from being, you know, part of the active game day game plan to being an inactive quarterback up in the stands. But then they had a couple injuries and all of a sudden you're in the lineup. I want to hear about that experience from your perspective. Uh, yeah, so heading into week one, my freshman year, um, I was kind of on the edge of being the three and the four. We had two seniors who uh, were going to be our one and two uh, starting quarterbacks. So um, I was kind of on the edge of being the three and the four. And then going into the last week, heading to the game of practice, uh, I got extremely sick. So um, I had to sit out a day or two um, and kind of miss practice those two days and um, kind of made myself the four pretty much. And um, uh, I think that Friday I played in the JV game at our stadium. Um, so that was my first experience of maybe football. I was playing in the JV game that Friday. And then the next day, um, that Saturday, um, I was able to go to the tailgate um, with the rest of the guys who weren't playing that week and enjoy the, the pregame festivities. And then the, the team came in the stadium watch them warm up and everything, and uh, the game gets going. I'm sitting down uh, with some of my friends. I, th I think I was eating Twizzlers and uh, just enjoying the game, and uh, I saw our starting quarterback went down, and it seemed pretty serious. So um, I knew that uh, – so I think, yeah, it was Will Worth. He went in. Uh, he ended up being our starting quarterback for the rest of the season, but um, they – we were up, uh, you know, a considerable amount. Uh, you know, we, we had pretty much won the game. So um, they ran up in the stands. One of the managers ran up in the stands. He's screaming my name and he's yelling for me. And I'm, I'm, I hear him, so I'm, I'm kind of scared. Like, what did I do? <laughs> um, and he tells me to come with him. So I walk down the stands um, through all the fans, uh, get on the field, walk in the walk in the locker room. And I'm in my I'm in a full uniform right now. Um, I get to the locker room. I still don't know what's going on. And he tells me that they're going to get my stuff and uh, I'll be playing for this. I'll be dressing out for the second half. So at that point, I didn't know, I didn't expect to get in the game, but um, a couple of plays later into the second half, they threw me in there and got to play a little bit. So it was fun. So now do you have to have Twizzlers for every game? Is that part of the ritual now? <laughs> No, nah, not at all. <laughs> the Twizzlers are gone. No Twizzlers. <laughs> and that would like shut my body down to where I probably couldn't even move. So good on yeah. you for, for having production with Twizzlers in your digestive system there. So one more question for you about the uh, about Navy. Um, they, I just saw the other day that they're moving the Notre Dame Navy game to Annapolis this year. That's the first time ever, right? Yeah, Is that sure. a, That's a pretty big deal, yeah? That's huge. I, I think that, that'll probably be... Um, if if coronavirus was gone, that would definitely be the biggest game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium ever, nice. for sure. I think that would be the craziest environment um, that stadium has ever seen, but um, that will be interesting to see for sure. That's awesome to see. I, I love watching the Navy-Army game every year, which we know by now you definitely made your mark on that game last time around with some records in that game. A couple of questions before I get you out of here, Malcolm. I want to know about more leisure activities, not eating Twizzlers in the stands. What do you do, whether it's inside, like watching Netflix, playing video games? What's your leisure activity when you're inside and when you're outdoors, out with your friends doing stuff? Uh, when I'm inside, I'm I'm not much of a Netflix watcher. I, I I just recently started watching Outer Banks. Um, you know, I, I don't, I haven't really had a lot of time to get into Netflix, but um, I'm also not a video game player. I usually watch YouTube videos, which everybody thinks is kind of weird, but 
Um, I'm probably watching a YouTube video about something random, um, learning how to fix something or fishing or something like that. Um, that's my inside activity if I'm not napping. Um, outside is definitely fishing. Yeah, that was kind of a layup. But hey, at least in South Florida, you'll have really good fishing down here out in open water. Anyway, yeah. Malcolm, I, I appreciate your time today, man. It was, it was good to get to know you a little bit here. And we'll hopefully we see you here very soon for training camp and, and get to work on the football field. Appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you. So there he goes, Malcolm Perry, Dolphin seventh round draft pick. Let's go ahead now and spin things forward to my interview with Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo. All right, coach, coach, welcome into the podcast here. And first, I want to go ahead and just congratulate you on an eleven win season and a bowl victory, and of course, beating Army. And in that Army game, the Dolphin seventh round draft pick, he had quite a day, didn't he? Travis, he, he played phenomenal. Uh, Malcolm, I mean, he, he ba- basically offensively, you know, put our team on his back and uh, he carried us to victory. I mean, he rushed for 300 yards, you know, uh, a record in that game and they've been playing that game for over a century, you know, and there have been some you know, pretty good football players playing that game, but uh, he, he was spectacular. And we talked to Coach Ingram earlier today, and he was talking about how you guys had these landmarks that you were getting closer to, like the, the Army-Navy rushing record, the games, the games record. And then once he broke that, he had such a big run that he was getting close to 300 yards. So you just kept going back to the well. And that guy just kind of seems to always exceed expectations, right? Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't until later on that we heard, you know, some of the, the records. It was actually the last drive, and... Um, you know, the game was in hand, and we're actually trying to run out the clock too. So everything played into came into play. Just um, you know, not trying to rub anything to Army or anything like that, but just trying to run out the clock, give the ball to our best ball carrier. And you know, I'd have been fine if he'd got one, one or two yards and ate up the whole clock, and you know, and, and used all the time. But he kept having these long runs, and he ran for a touchdown. Like, oh, okay. You know, we weren't going to take a knee, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he just kept running and running. Like, okay, <laughs> keep riding him. Yeah, just just going to keep producing. That's what he does. That's what he did. I, I think I read a stat. It was like 65 runs of 10 yards or more last season, obviously en route to 2,000 rushing yards. And I wanted to go back to an article I found, Coach, that was, I, I want to say it was you talking to him after the Army-Navy game the previous year when maybe there was a little bit of a lack of conviction to go to him as the full-time quarterback. And you approached him and said, you know, that was a mistake that I made. And next year, we're not going to do that. And he was really receptive to it. Can you tell us about how that conversation conversation kind of went down well i think you know nobody was happy with the 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 year that we had two years ago uh you know we're not used to that and you know before i could look at any other moves uh with our staff or personnel or strategy or scheme or whatever the case may be i had to look at myself and as i looked at myself i i recognized that i made a huge mistake and not uh, giving Malcolm the keys. You know, we kind of went back and forth and moved to other quarterbacks. It wasn't a knock on any other quarterbacks, but, you know, I started to think, um, if you're the quarterback and, and you're getting pulled or you're getting moved, or there's a thought that, hey, I might have to move back to slot back. It's hard to be the leader, and the quarterback has to be the leader. And so I just told him, hey, we made a mistake. Uh, a big part of why we not successful last year because we didn't, you know, we didn't put all of our, our marbles in and all of our eggs in one basket. And, and I told him, we're going to ride you, Malcolm. 
you're our quarterback. Get ready. We're going to put our scheme uh, together that will fit all of your skill set. But you're, we're going to ride you, you know, good or bad, whatever happens. And just want you to know that. And he took the ball from there and ran. And, and we had him on the Drive Time podcast, our official Miami Dolphins podcast here, right after he was drafted. And coach, you know this as well as anybody, very soft-spoken young man. We couldn't get much out of him. That's why we wanted to get a couple of coaches on to, to kind of brag about our new uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, kind of does everything for you guys there. I'm curious to get your take on the way his leadership acumen was because it, he everyone lauds him for it. But being a quiet guy and leading by example, how did he get guys to really rally around him and really follow his lead? somebody when you're the best player on the team and then you watch them work and he's also the hardest worker it's hard not for everybody else to elevate their level of preparation and i i used to marvel at him too because even going into last year um i mean here's a guy that's you know was a back-to-back thousand yard rusher and i'll just think in my mind okay how many guys are getting ready to play college football that are back-to-back thousand yard rushers but you'd see him in team meetings you'd see him out at practice um i mean he never carried himself like this star or prima donna you know he kind of walked around like you know like wow uh here's a guy a young freshman trying to make the team or something you know just very impressed with his humility and and I know the guys recognize that too. They they knew they knew how good he was. They saw him for two years. They saw all the great things he did. I mean, even in his freshman year, he did a lot of great things. But playing full time, those two years, he did so many spectacular things. And they saw how he worked in off season. Um, you couldn't help as a teammate, but just to um, you know, love your your uh, Malcolm for a leader that led by example. Um, he was just one of the guys, and I think guys appreciated that. Um, you know, sometimes guys talk a lot, but they don't produce anything. And some guys, sometimes guys don't say much, but produce a lot, and that was Malcolm. Yeah, definitely evident by his statistics over last season, 2,000 rushing yards, AAC Conference Player of the Year. And Coach Jasper talked about his willingness to do just do everything and how much he loved practice and being on the football field. And then we had Coach Ingram on talking about how he was taking 21 credits last semester as he was preparing for the NFL draft. And I'm curious to get your take on this, Coach, because you know in the NFL and college, whatever it is, you have your position group meeting rooms, and this guy's playing three, four positions. How much extra time did he have to put in to get himself ready for game day? Well, he did a lot. I remember, uh, you know, one time in the summer, just coming back and went in the office. And it was kind of an off-hour time, you know, just so I didn't want to speak anybody, think anybody would be around the academy. In fact, the academy was, it was a ghost town. There was nobody around. But there I saw Malcolm with a couple receivers there coming off the field, you know, and they had the ball in hand. And kind of asked, what have you guys been doing? So oh, we just been throwing some routes. You know what I mean? It just and I was like, I knew then when I saw that we had a chance. We had a chance mm-hmm. that this was our here was our best player. You know, to grab a couple of the other wideouts on his own accord uh, when everybody else is gone. You know, the academy's a tough place, and so if you got some freedom and some some free time, and you're allowed to leave the yard or the academy, guys are out of here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're gonna go. They're gonna leave. And here he was, stayed and. And he worked. It was working out, and I was like, "Wow, this guy really means business. Uh, he, he's really excited about about doing this." Um, 
but it's, it's like I said, it's been Malcolm. It's it's been who he, he's been. As Coach Jasper said, I mean, he's a he's a guy that loves to work out, um, but he's a competitive guy too. He's super competitive, and I know that um, he there is an inner drive, and I think all the great ones you see all their physical skills, but then it's the mental part that I think that separates people. It just how bad they want it. And those are always hard because you can't gauge that. And all you can gauge it on is their work ethic, how they prepare, you know, and how they do things. Um, it's like you said, just getting ready, you know, for the draft or the combine. Uh, I kind of chuckled a little bit because, you know, all these other guys are at camps or have individual trainers. I mean, he's coming from class. In fact, one day he was, you know, he was setting up. We were, we were getting ready to run. Uh, the, the the returning players for a workout, and he is on the field before the guys got there setting up a jug machine, jug machine so he can catch balls. Mm-hmm. I just asked him, what are you doing? He's all, I just got to catch some balls. And and he was waiting for another teammate to come put the balls in the jug machine. And I was like, where's he at? He says, he's not here. So, you know, I'm, here I am. I'm helping him get ready. You know, I'm putting the balls in the jug machine for him. But I'm thinking, well, uh, here's a guy having to do things on his own why other guys are, you know, got personal trainers. And I just remember, too, watching in the combine, watching guys get down. You know, they'd say their name, and uh, it, it took them a while to get on, on the starting block. They got this routine, and you could tell that they've been prepping for that for months, and that's all they've been doing. And I call it Malcolm Perry. Malcolm, you know, does a little thing, get down and starts to run. And, you know, just he, I, he definitely didn't have the preparation time that the other guys who were most of them not in school, but here's Malcolm carrying a full load and trying to work out in his off time. <laughs> you know, it was kind of amazing to me. Kind of funny. I, I felt for the kid like he's going against guys that have been training for four months and, you know, he's he's still going to class every day. <laughs> yeah, and you see the time speed come back at something like 4-6. Coach, I watch him on the field. That's He's not a 4-6 guy, is he? No. Yeah. That's why I know just... And the thing, other thing that... You know, I have to take into account, too, is just, um, you know, we played late, you know, with our late Army. Our Army game, obviously, is the latest game, any regular season game. So we play all the way to the second week of December. And, you know, he's a quarterback. You know, all quarterbacks take a take a pounding. But an option quarterback takes sure. a ton. And he <laughs> carried the ball a ton this year. You know, so the rush, you know, going into that game or whatever, he had 1,800 yards or whatever. Um, or 700, he had a ton of yards uh, prior to that, and he was beat up going into that game. Uh, so he's, you know, the effects of the season of a, a guy that we gave all the ball all the time, you know, there's been some comments, can he really be able to handle it? I mean, he was an option quarterback at 195 pounds, you know, for a full season carrying the load, and he played, you know, 13 games. So he was still beat up. I've seen him run away from guys from, you know, Notre Dame, Central Florida, SMU, Houston, and all these guys that I see, they get drafted from different places. Now. You know, Malcolm's run away from Temple. You know, he's the one guy that we've had that we haven't had a stop back like him before, a running back, that when he breaks, he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we get caught. 
and then we have to, you know, line up on the ten or something like that. But Malcolm's run away from everybody. Yeah, the the army game. I think it was the first touchdown. He he did not have anything close to an angle, and he just completely erased the angle that the defender did have on him, and just raced right into the end zone to get the scoring started there. Then you go to the Shrine Bowl, and you talk about how he runs away from these other kids that are getting drafted higher, and kids that are having these forty times that are timed better. And he gets he gets one chance at a carry in the Shrine game, and what does he do besides take it fifty yards into the end zone for a touchdown? Definitely just just a special kid, and, and talk about his maturity and the discipline that you have to have to to do the stuff that you mentioned and you you wonder how much of that comes from his family and his parents and i'm curious to ask you coach he had two parents that both went to army how do you get him over to navy uh, coach ingram coach ingram you know was a uh our, our best the best recruiter in our staff uh he's recruited keenan reynolds obviously malcolm two of the best football players and many others that have come to the academy but coach ingram did a great job um, I think when he came on his visits, you know, like you said, he's got wonderful parents. Both of them served in the Army and, you know, great people. Uh, but I think coming to our school and I think the things that resonated with him, family, uh, unity, you know, we got a brotherhood that loves each other. You know, so much of stuff now, Travis, and recruiting is about, you know, the bells and whistles of gold lockers and, you know, gold-plated weight rooms and, you know, I mean, just things like that. And I think he saw through all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He came and saw the, the tight unity of a family. And I think that resonated with him, you know, and I think it. he saw that who we were and I think he felt very, very comfortable uh, at, our, at our school. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of been him. He's been a humble kid from the beginning. You know, even after the uh, Army-Navy game, you know, we're waiting on him. He took forever to get back in the locker room. And I think, you know, talking to some people, Malcolm was outside just shaking people's hands and, you know, signing autographs. You know, not from a boastful state, but just from a standpoint of just being, um, didn't want to let anybody down. And I just, <laughs> and it was like, you know, the, the bad coaching on our part, we should have had somebody with him. <laughs> you know, as they started to fill, we should have got him back in there. But he, he signed everybody's interview. Uh, you know, autographs and, but that's just Malcolm. He's just a phenomenal, phenomenal kid. I think he's certainly on track to be to be a fan favorite down in South Florida, and that was his last regular season game with the Navy program there. I want to go back for the last question here for you, Coach, and the first ever varsity game where he was pulled out of the stands as the emergency quarterback. He had been sick all week and didn't practice much and, and didn't dress for the game, but your starting quarterback gets hurt in the first half, so he dresses down at halftime and comes into the game in the second half. Can you tell us about that story? Well, we obviously you never want your starter to go down and you know we had another quarterback behind uh and our third string quarterback was actually playing another position i believe at that time and so the game kind of got out of hand and you know we started as our you know early game for us you know we didn't want our now starter to get hurt um you know one one thought is we were just gonna do some things where, you know, there's no chance of him getting hurt. He could just hand the ball off and finish the game off because we had a sizable lead. Uh, but, you know, what ended up having Coach Jasper and our uh, equipment guy, um, they went just, well, they got they got Malcolm suited up, you know, and they said, Coach, we got we went and called Malcolm, got him suited up. You know, I mean, I didn't know, but it was kind of fun. I said, oh, Malcolm's coming from where? <laughs> and so, uh, 
as soon as the game goes, no, you know, I don't want a guy that hadn't even practiced with us. You know what I mean? You can't put him in a game. You know, those are my thoughts. But then I started to think a little bit, go, well, you know, you know, talk with Coach Jasper. He's like, Coach, you probably should take out Will. We don't want him to get hurt. I said, all right, let's, let's put him out. Come and said, is he ready? And he goes, yeah, you know, Greg's got his got his, uh, his uniform, his equipment, and put him out of the stands. So, all right, man, put him in there. And, um, you know, I don't really went in there and finished the game. He did well, <laughs> which is like, you know, I thought we'd just hand the ball off or, you know, just try to get out of the game with the W. And he went out there and did some really, really good things. And that was the, the beginning of the, the Malcolm's, you know, Perry deal. And he did that for the rest of his career. He had one carry, I believe, later on. I think we moved him back to slot back where I didn't play as much. But played in the bowl game, came in again. And I think, again, it was similar to the Shrine Bowl. His first carry, he went out the back for like a 40-yard touchdown or something. And just, it's like every time he touches the ball, it's, you know, great things happen. And Malcolm's production last year certainly did make plenty of great things happen with 2017 rushing yards. Coach, we really appreciate your time today and best of luck this upcoming season. Okay, Travis, thank you. Take care. And away there goes Coach. And this organization, this football program here, is just so first class and so well run. You hear it there from up top with Coach Nia Matalolo, from players like Malcolm Perry that really resonate and really deliver that message of the football team. You heard him talk about the integral recruiter that helped get Malcolm Perry to Navy even though he has two parents that were Army veterans, he gave credit to Coach Ashley Ingram, who is the run game coordinator and interior offensive lines coach there at Navy. And he is my next interview subject on this Malcolm Perry 360 episode. All right, Coach Ingram, welcome in. And first, I wanted to congratulate you on the 11-1 season, the bowl victory, and of course, beating Army. And in that Army game, he had quite a day, didn't he? Oh, he did. He was uh, he was impressive. Um he had he had one for the ages, and it was right at the end of the game. We were we were up, and I think somebody told us on the sideline that he needs like six yards to break the the Army Navy rushing record, you know, for a single season. Well, then he, he breaks off like a fifteen yard run, and then somebody goes, "Well, you know, he only needs six yards for three hundred yards." <laughs> so we actually called one more run for him, and I think he went like twenty five yards for a touchdown. So now he was uh, he was special. So. And, you know, he had a 200-yard rushing Army game, or 250 to two years prior, and then he had a 300-yard uh, rushing game in that game. So he, uh, he he played really well against those guys. Well, uh, it should come as, as almost no surprise that he, he was able to do that. I think it was something like 65 runs he had of 10 yards or more, just constant production for you guys out there. And you were the yeah. one in charge of recruiting him, right? Right, yeah, I, I did recruit him. And out, of, uh, out of Clarksville, Tennessee, and... Uh, Kenwood High School is where he was at. Well, I'm curious to ask you because both of his parents were, were Army cadets and you managed to get him over to the Navy. How'd you do that? Uh, well, we got on him early, uh, and I think we were the first to offer him. Um, I had a relationship with his high school coach, and when you watched his film, it was just obvious that he was a, you know, a special football player. He was playing quarterback, and I don't think there's a pass on his high school highlight video. It's all, it's all running, which... <laughs> which was really impressive. But, um, you know, I, I thought we established a good relationship with him early on. And then, you know, as a staff, we recruited him really hard and got into the home and did home visits. And I think when, when he is, he's mentioned, um, you know, why he chose Navy, 
he really said it was kind of all about the people. You know, Coach Nehemiah, uh, Ivan Jasper, obviously was going to be his position coach, and they got to know each other well. Uh, and I just think that, you know, like like we felt about him, I think he a connection with us as well. It, I had a chance to, co- to talk to Coach Jasper just a little bit ago, and he was talking about how how important the academics were to Malcolm and also how hard he practiced and how he looked forward to practice every day. And I was curious to get your take, Coach, on the fact that he did play multiple positions for you guys, slot back, a little bit of quarterback. He would run some routes out of receiver as well. So how much does that put on a plate for a kid who already has so many expectations of him at a place like Navy where academia and your stru- your, your structure every day is so important? You know, I, I think the... Uh... The athletic stuff, I think it's it's just a reflection of who he, who he is as a person. You know, I think he he's a he's a hard worker. He's a you know maybe he's an he's obviously has some talents, but he's an overachiever. He's tough. He's selfless. Uh, but all those things show up on the football field. You know, whether it be in the weight room or in practice or in games. But those those same, I think that's who he is as a person, though. Um, and I think that shouldn't shock me at all that academics meant a lot to him. It doesn't surprise me that he wants to do well in life, and he, you know, that he wants to work for everything that he gets. And and if you just look at his career here, uh, the things that he did on the field speak for themselves. But I mean, how many kids are, are that selfless? How many kids will move positions two or three times to do whatever they can do to help the football team? Um, and I, I think more than anything that I could speak to is just the, the kind of young man that he is, the kind of character that he has, uh, and not that he's not confident. But a humble, a humble guy that will do whatever he can for his team and organization. Um, so I, I think you guys got a great young man on top of a great football player. I think one of the best stories there is about Malcolm in regards to the fact that he is just a gamer who wants to get out there and play football is the story that was told to me, and I'm hoping you can give us some more details on this, about his first ever varsity game where he's pulled out of the stands to be the emergency quarterback. I read this story, Coach, and I'm like, there's no way that can be real. So can you just walk us through what happened, how that decision got made, and how he was able to impact the game that night? Yeah, so... There's a lot of things led up to it. So it, it was not like he was, uh, you know, this isn't a Michael Jordan story where he was cut from the varsity <laughs> or anything like that. So, so he was he was actually going to be dressing that Saturday, but he actually it was just the opening game of his career, and I think he got a stomach virus earlier in the week. So he missed some practice time being sick. And I think the he was feeling better later in the week, and I think the determination coach made was. You know, if he's had a stomach virus and there's a chance he could get other guys sick, maybe we should kind of keep him away from the team. Let's don't bring him to the hotel. Let's don't bring him over. So we decided not to dress him that game because he had been sick. Uh, but we get into the game, and he is dressed in his, his uh, summer whites. He's up in his military uniform in the stands. And uh, uh, our starting quarterback, Tago Smith, towards ACL uh, in the first quarter. And our backup quarterback was a really good football player. And we, we've got a nice lead on the team. Uh, we're playing, I can't remember exactly who it was, Colgate or someone. Well, it gets to the point where we've already lost one quarterback. We can't let this, you know, our next guy continue to play the rest of the game. I think there may have been another quarterback that was injured, you know. So we just got to the point where, I mean, what do you, I don't know how exactly how it worked and who called him down or how all those things worked, but it was just kind of a, crazy series of events that led him to the bleachers, but then a, you know, kind of a crazy series of events that led him 
uh, at halftime going to get dressed and play in most of the second half at quarterback in his first game ever. And played well, uh, marches down the field on a scoring drive and, you know, all those things. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those crazy stories, but it's a it's 100% true. And, uh, yeah, it, it definitely happened. And he just, he never turned back from there in terms of the production. And Coach Niamatolo actually called him the greatest running back he's ever coached at Navy and that he has the best instinct he's ever seen. I'm curious to get your take in the film room when you guys are sitting there breaking down the, the, you know, the play calls on structure and then you have a player that goes off structure and makes a play like that. Did he just constantly wow you when you watch the tape? Yeah, he did. He's, uh, you know, I've been been here, you know, going on 13 years now too. He's he's our most dynamic runner that we've had most dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. And he's done it, as you mentioned earlier, he's done it from quarterback. Uh, he's done it wide receiver. He's done it at slot. He uh, Some of his best plays this year were called passes where he didn't see anybody open and he just took off running and moving. And, uh, yeah, some of the stuff was kind of all script. And, uh, but just the ability to change directions, he's going to be a lot stronger than what people think, too. Uh, you know, he's kind of hard to bring down. The arm tackles don't get him down. And I think there's going to be a little more speed, too, than what, what people, you know, expect from his combine times and things like that. Yeah, I noticed that, too. You watch him run on the field and the play speed compared to the time speed. It just looks completely different compared to what he was clocked in that 40-yard dash. So I think that's pretty evident. You, know you know the other thing on that, and I think people, and I think this is maybe in defense of all of our guys at the Naval Academy, is, you know, most guys, when they go to the combine, you know, they have, they've actually gone to a uh, facility and a training camp in Arizona or Florida, and they've worked on all these skills, and they've worked on their 40 times and all this. Well, you know, Malcolm was, he was walking around the Naval Academy dressed in military uniforms yeah. and taking 21 credits while all these guys were off doing all those other things. So I, I think that some of those times are obviously manipulated and, and guys work really hard on them. Where I just don't think he had the opportunity to do that. So I, I think there's, you know, I think there's a little more to, you know, a, a good start. He'll never run another forty yard dash for his yeah. life. But I think there's, I think there's something to what you said about the game speed as opposed to that time speed. Right, because they they go they yeah. work on like you mentioned the start, and they they literally spend hours getting themselves prepared to get off the line and get that clock speed down. But it just doesn't really translate, does it? So I guess instead of talking about those guys, but yeah. he, I think he'll do well, but I think he's going to show up when, when it counts on the, on the football field. I wanted to ask you a little bit, Coach, about him off the field because we've heard some stories, and like you said, he won't talk about it, so i got to get someone else to tell me about it. But <laughs> he, he, was, he was one of, I think, six siblings, was it? And he had a sister pass away when he was eight years old due to a heart condition. Do you know much about that? And kind of has he has he talked about it, opened up about it, and and maybe kind of the impact it's had on him as a person? Uh, I don't know much about that story. Uh, I have heard that. Um, like I said, I recruited him, um, and so got to know him a little bit in high school. Um, I've home visited him and with him and his mom and dad, uh, but kind of the. I'm, to be honest with you, he's a, he's a quiet guy. He's reserved. I would have phone conversations or attempt to have phone conversations with him um, when we were recruiting him. And you just, you know, it's, you obviously have to kind of prod him a little bit to get him to open up the talk. But I, that's just his personality. So I'm sure those things uh, were driving factors in his life. But to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't know a lot about some of those things. Well, um, oh, go ahead. He, he's, a, he's, a, 
much better to communicate by text than he is sometimes. <laughs> Don't get to him on the phone. So <laughs> that that's probably most of the kids you deal with these days, right? Yeah, but I think he takes it to the next level. Uh, <laughs> he's just a he's, he's a quiet guy, and he's like I said, he's he's humble. He's got confidence, but he's not you know he's not boisterous. He's not a you know, I wouldn't say he's not a super outgoing guy. It's just kind of the way he is, and he, I think he. He's got obviously a lot of internal motivation, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of those family situations, and maybe losing a sister, probably play a part in that. Yeah, absolutely, and it, the fact that he's yeah. able to bounce around different position rooms and different meeting rooms, and, and get in the weight room and the academics, like you mentioned, just a really good, cool yeah. sounding kid. I'm excited to have a chance to yeah. to get to know him down here and see him play on Sundays, and and uh, he's actually the first Miami Dolphin to be drafted out of the service academies, so he has that going oh, for him as really well. Cool. And, and, uh, Coach, we really appreciate your time today. Congrats again on the season. 11 wins, a bowl victory, beating Army. Can't get much better than that. No, it was a great one. Congratulations on uh, you guys taking Malcolm, too. I think he's going to be a good one. I know you're going to enjoy him quite a bit. Well, Coach, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you for that, and uh, best of luck this season. Okay. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. And there he goes, Coach Ingram, the run game coordinator and interior offensive line coach there at Navy and finishing up this interview series with Malcolm Perry. We got cut a little bit short at the end, but I did get some good nuggets and notes out of Navy quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper. All right, Coach Jasper, thank you for doing this. Welcome in, and first, congrats on a very good season last year, the double-digit wins, the victory over Army. But first, with Malcolm Perry here, I want to ask you, who are we getting in this football player? Who are we getting in Miami in Malcolm Perry? Well, obviously, you know, when, when we recruited him, um, you know, obviously all the kids come on recruiting visits. Um, and uh, obviously from the from the video, we knew he was a great football player. Um, we knew that he uh, came from a military family, so obviously he fit what we were looking for. He understood what we were about, uh, what the school stood for, what the military stands for. So that, that was always a major plus for us in recruiting. Um, and the main thing I remember was on his recruiting visit was basically just a really quiet kid. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't say much, you know, just, that's always been him. Just always, always been a kid. Um, but at the same time, you know, just you know, when he around his friend, he, he does kind of loosen up, you know, but it was always a quiet kid. Um, and then uh, he went to our prep school first, you know, it's a one year program, he went there first and, and, um, you know, just, uh, get himself more prepared, you know, for the academy, uh, the academics, you know, and the military part of it. Um, and and during the recruiting time, each coach goes up there to visit with them, you know, to just to check up on them, you know. So I do remember going up there, checking on all the guys, and I sat down and met with every one of the offensive players and sat and talked with him, you know. And, uh, again, it was a great meeting, you know. But, but I do remember coming out and, and uh, calling Coach Ingram and saying, Coach, you know, just telling Coach Ingram, because Coach Ingram recruited him. Just how special of a kid I thought he was. Um, again, just just seeing him more, and also seeing him after he had been through the process of our prep school. You know, he had already been there for you know for half four semesters. So, you know, um, kids kind of change a lot. You know, he kind of grew up some. Uh, still quiet, but uh, you, you, you see the maturity, the look in his eyes. He always has. He always had clear eyes. You know, so again, we we knew we had got a great football player and and a great young man. You know, and then obviously when it came to the academy. Um, started out playing uh, slot back for us. And again, never stopped being a quiet person, but just a good football player. Um, I, I do hear when he's around his friends, he's, he does talk more. <laughs> but, you know, around the coaches, uh, again, he, he was just always a quiet kid. Very, very attentive. Um, again, I was always studying his playbook. You know, always making sure things are that he knows what's going on. And then obviously, you know, getting on the football field, I mean, that was pretty much spoke for itself. You know, just a great football player. 
Um, and I, I think the one thing that, that, that I've been able to learn about him, the thing that I think is, you know, truly special about him is just the kid just loves to practice, you know, and, and again, that, that might sound a little, you know, odd or something like that, but I mean, I've, I've come across a few kids in my coaching career, you know, that, that, that I truly felt that were just, they love to practice. The kids just love to practice. I mean, look forward to practice every single day. Uh, came out there the same every single day, you know, always had the energy, always, always practiced hard. Everything he did was full speed to the point where sometimes we, we had to tell him to kind of hold off a little bit. Um, but again, it's just a great person, you know. Um, I put him to QB his junior year, but then we kind of moved him back. Um, and then his senior year, obviously, obviously he, he took over full. And the biggest thing for him when he moved to quarterback was he was always – he was a coach, I just want to make sure I know what's going on. You know, um, I, I don't want to screw anything up. I don't want to hurt the team. Just make sure, you know – just make sure that, you know, I want to make sure I, I want to be coached right and just make, make sure I know, I know everything that's going on and just make sure I don't go out there and screw up. You know, so again, so we always knew that the, that perfection was in was in him, even in the classroom. You know, and uh, that's something that that's, I should have said even first. He was always big on his academics. Um, if he has a bad test score, he got down on himself, you know, and um, again, he, but he was always that perfectionist type of person, you know. So but um, obviously, you know, when, uh, when the QB and. The same deal with him. Just, just wanted to make sure that they knew what was going on. He knew the game, planning it out. He asked all the questions, made sure everything. Um, he, he dotted his eyes, crossed all his T's, and uh, and obviously when he got down Saturday, it, it all showed up. Just just played great. He had a great senior year, great career. Um, when, when the ball's in that young man's hand, he just has a way of doing things with it. You know? So, and and a, and a lot of what he does, you you can't really coach, you know. So yeah, <laughs> um, he just yeah, just just a special player, special young man. Yeah, we saw, I think it was something like 65 runs of 10-plus yards, and he just explodes out of there when he sees that hole and, and hits it. And you talk about him playing some slot back and some quarterback, and also the academic requirements there at Navy, obviously coming very much first, and the schedule these players and these young men have to adhere to every single day. How much of a challenge is it for a player to really have to kind of cross-train and be a part of maybe both of the, the meeting rooms at practice and the film room and stuff like that? Is it is it just even more on his plate and makes it more impressive that way? It, it does because again, I mean, it's it's you know we, we kind of talked talk about you know as a staff, and again, I, I want to say this the right way. Um, like preparing for the combine, you know, poor Malcolm. You know, a lot of those guys that went to the combine when their season was over, they pretty much kind of take a break and they they prepare for the combine. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys just they go strictly and train for that. You know, where Malcolm had to still still go to school and still deal with the yeah. rigorous academics, getting up in the morning, you know, on his feet all day long. You know, so but it's always been. You know, something that that we always as coaches, we always sit back and we're astonished about that our young men can do it. You know, they um, again, the academic, they wake up every morning and it's, it's a full day of academics. You know, they can't miss class. You have to go to class. Um, if you miss class, you know, um, everybody knows about it and, and you're held accountable for it. You know, so again, just just with having the academics and just the the, the schedule, the rigors of the school. You know, and um, and 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 being a Division One football player and showing up every single Saturday against talent that's, you know, we were never the bigger, stronger, faster team. You know, but at the same time, our kids always played hard. But that's just the most impressive part about it. Just what these young men do and what they go through. But every single weekend on Saturday, they show up and they play their tails off. 
And so really, there you get it. A big thanks to Coach Jasper, Coach Ingram, and Coach Nia Matalolo there from Navy and the Midshipman Football Program there. They really run a great program, a great ship there, pardon my pun, and they produce players like Malcolm Perry, a great young man who really know the right way to play football, and of course, talented football players there as well. One of the better teams there in the AAC Conference. Again, thank you to that coaching staff. And of course, a big thank you to Malcolm for taking time out of his day to talk with us and let us get to know the young man out of Navy. Thank you for all the details and all the time they gave us on those phone calls. We're going to go ahead and conclude this episode of the Malcolm Perry Comprehensive Player Profile. We'll come back with each of these Dolphins rookies in future episodes. But as for now, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.